Morning Sunshine with Jillian Bolands is a podcast for the go-getter, the visionary, the harmony seeker, and the life enthusiast who is ready to stop forcing and start flowing through life, love, and business in a way that is in alignment with his or her true self. Hosted by life coach and business strategist Jillian Bolands, this show will allow for you to energetically and logistically recalibrate through gratitude, inspiration and powerhouse pep talks Jillian style with a whole lot of truth and even more love. Join Jillian each week for morning empowerment talks, uplifting interviews, and the opportunity to create a life of fulfillment by discovering and stepping up as the true you. Let's shine. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Morning Sunshine with Jillian Bolands. You mamas in particular, but everyone like listen up because we're going to be dropping some deep truths, but you mamas out there are in for a special treat. My amazing soul sister, Carrie Keating is here. And she and I met in our mastermind inner circle um, that we have with our coach. And the second she joined my life, I was like, oh, where have you been? I've been waiting for you. And it's just been so fun to get to know each other by way of the group. And it's so exciting because we've just, we've taken the steps to get even deeper with each other. Um, Carrie is a transformational business coach. She's a lifestyle entrepreneur and she's a mama of three boys. And I just admire her so much. And Carrie, hi. Hi. (laughs) Um, Can you please, before we go into you and your story, can you please fill my listeners into like the reality of your house right now. Cause I just think it's, it sets the stage so perfectly. Okay. So I am on the West coast. So currently it's uh, a little after 6am here. I set my alarm for five thirty. just like get up, have my coffee, give myself a little bit of spaciousness before I got on this call with Jillian. And, um, about 10 minutes after I got up, uh, I was laying in bed still. I'd snoozed my alarm and you snooze. <laughs> which I never do. Usually I'm like, I'm like, I follow the Mel Robbins rule. Like, like as soon as the alarm gets up, uh, gets on, I'm like up and out of bed. But today, today you were a night. human. Yep. Today I was a human mm-hmm. and it was a long night last night, mm-hmm. like long, deep conversations with the hubs about mm-hmm. just some big life transitions we're going through. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just, I just thought I deserved an extra 10 minutes of like rest. <laughs> and of course, like 10 minutes, my alarm's just about to go off again. And, um, the smoke alarm beeps and all of the power goes out <laughs> and we are just like on the, um, you know, California is in like complete duress right now. We've yeah. got like, wind storms and fires and all these things. And here in San Diego, we've got a lot of wind storms right now. And so something just knocked all the power out, but I was like, my first thought was like, Oh my gosh, had I gone up 10 minutes earlier, I would have been able to make coffee. <laughs> so I am, I am like, I have a little bit of caffeine and I had some, some yerba mate, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm like not caffeinated about a, a one room over at my, my son, of course, heard us, my, our two-year-old heard us. So he's next door with my husband in the yeah. TV oh, room, yeah. like, oh yeah, it's distracted. a party. <laughs> But it's all good. It's and it's so funny because it's it's actually like I, first of all, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I literally have a candle in front of me to like give me a little bit of light. No, it's all good. It smells like Christmas in my office right now, so we're good. See? Little blessings everywhere, but we know the importance of you know that just that morning moment for ourselves, rare and few yeah. and far between as they may be, but also like the little things that we just love, right? So like caffeine being what it is, like sometimes we feel we truly need it, but like also you just, I know you and you love the act of pouring your first cup of coffee. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, especially as busy women who are momming and working our businesses from home amidst the babies, like we just like having those moments for ourselves. So I'm just sending you all these <laughs> caffeinated thoughts in the world right now. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's, I, I love that you said that because it's like, it's not even so much the coffee itself. Like, I'll be fine without the coffee. Of it's just like that morning ritual yeah. of, you know, pouring something warm, listening to some sort of meditation or giving myself a few minutes before the kids wake up, like on the couch, in the cold, like mm-hmm. snuggling underneath the blanket. Like that is my jam. And yeah. some days and some weeks and some seasons, it doesn't happen because sleep is way more important. Yeah. You know, I have three kids under five. So it's always like, 
it, we, it's, it's a, it's a little unpredictable Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's going to happen. And just like today I was like, okay, now my, my sleep is a little bit more important than an extra 10 minutes of morning time. But, um, giving myself that space in the morning, um, has been like really, really magical. And there was a season two, I, I feel like I should say this, Please. there was a season two where, you know, I think so many of us who are on this journey and are really starting to tap into who we are and how we show up in our businesses and how we're showing up as moms, we want to meditate and we think yeah. that it has to be done or we want to journal or we want to pray and just have that alone time. And we, for some reason, think that it has has to be done in the morning. Um, and there was a long time where I was going to bed, like, okay, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to meditate. And then when I got to that time, like I had had a really long night with my kids, I just hit the snooze button because I needed to sleep more. Yeah. And then I would wake up immediately and be like, Oh, I failed. I failed my morning routine. I failed all this. And there was a season in my life where it's like, I had to like really rewrite and rewire myself to be like, no, I will do it when they're napping. I will yeah. reprioritize because right now I need my sleep. So yeah. instead of like, I, instead of me saying, I have to do this in the morning now, it's just, I have to do it mm-hmm. when it feels the most spacious for me. Yes. I kind of like flipped the script on like, it has to be done in the morning. I have to like start my day this way because that's how successful people do it. It's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 I'm going to do it when it feels most spacious for me. And sometimes that's when all three kids are home and they're watching YouTube or, you know, sometimes it's like when they're napping or whatever it looks like. So it's not always the morning, but right now I'm in a season where everyone's for the most part sleeping so I can get it done in the morning. So I think, I think having, um, you know, I wish somebody would have come up and told me like, it's okay. You don't have to do it in the morning. Like, <laughs> yeah, do it whenever it feels good for you. Me too. And I, here's like, here's the truth. I love doing it in the morning. I'm so that morning person, but I know that I went through a season that I did it. I did it anyway. I did it on like the, the two hours. So I didn't choose the sleep. I did it on the two hours. And then I was a frazzled maniac for the rest of the day because mm-hmm. I literally was not giving my body the time to sleep. But my my predisposition, my pre-programming is, oh no, no, like you got to get it done because that is the formula. That is the key. You can sacrifice everything else for your holy schedule and that, that time for yourself when actually like, dude, what I really needed was to sleep. And Amber, our coach actually looked at me at one point. She was like, what are you proving to yourself by not sleeping? Like, how are you, how are you, claiming an old story to be the most sacred when actually your body is begging you for rest. Your mind is begging you for rest. And just having that moment of like, oh, I'm literally just functioning like this because of old patterning and old stories. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be like that. But the point is, and I love that you said this, you're going to do it. Like these devotional practices to yourself are so, so, so important. It's not like you're saying, okay, well, I didn't get it done in the morning, so I'm screwed for the rest of the day. You have taken it upon yourself to really step into what feels good for you and your soul, like you and your spirit. And that's really powerful. And I think that's the key that many people miss. It's like, okay, well, I didn't get it done in the morning when I should, because that's when successful people do. So I'm just done for the rest of the day. Maybe I'll take care of myself tomorrow. So was there a time for you that you decided that you were just going to commit to the devotional practice that works for you? It's going to be meditating for some, journaling for some, walking for some, it's going to look different, but something yeah, for I was, you that you're devoted to. Yeah. So I was, um, like, like you said, like I, I was that person who was like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't get it done in the morning. So now I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. Like, and I would just like go through the day. Like I didn't get my med. Like I didn't, I didn't tune in. I was like, and I was like so angry about it. Yeah. Um, and then I just got to a point where I was just like, wait, why am I, why does it have to be in the morning when I can like recognize like, when all the, you know, when all the kids are sleeping or the baby's sleeping and the older boys are chilling and having their rest time, like, why can't it be now? Why do I have to do laundry or like clean up or do work or whatever it is when this is the work? And so, um, I just recognized my feeling like the visceral feeling I had in my body about it. And that like, I was also in control of not, <laughs> not keeping it that way. Like not, yeah. um, not forcing it to be in the morning. And I was just like, Oh, I'm going to start doing this in the afternoon. And what's crazy is that, so I would make 
um, my rituals have like changed and evolved and, and like, you know, I go, I go through seasons with those too, which what, whatever makes me feel most connected. Sometimes you guys, like it doesn't happen like to be really real. And so that time is spent, whether it's, um, whether I'm like putting my makeup on the morning and I throw on a meditation or a song that just like makes me feel good or, you know, something that I can always come back to that I'm like, okay, this is going to ground me and like put me back out of my head and out of all the to-do lists Mm -hmm. and back in my body. Yes. And so there's, um, it's not always going to look like meditation, but I will say that like when I started flipping um, my meditations to the afternoon. So I kind of started doing them around two o'clock when the baby was sleeping, like I said, and the older two boys were just chilling. I would go and sit on our back porch, pour myself some cacao. I would have my journal. I would sit and meditate. And my boys, my older boys were watching me. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember distinctly my mom, I come from a very religious household and mm-hmm. my mom would sit with her Bible and she would read her Bible while we were playing. And I just remember seeing that devotion mm-hmm. and like what it took because she had so much conviction in her beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so what it equated to me now is that like, okay, if I want to really have the conviction and really speak from this space of like, yeah, this is really important important. Like mm-hmm. I need to be in devotion. I need to be in a practice of this. And so, um, it was really powerful because my kids would see me meditate and then they would come sit with me and like, they would come draw on my journal and all of that stuff. And I was just like, okay, this is actually like just as much as it is for them as it is for me. So yeah. to answer, answer your question, it looks different every day. I would love to sit here and say like, oh my gosh, I meditate for 20 minutes. Sometimes I'm like, like I said, I'm putting on a song. Sometimes I'm listening to Abraham Hicks. Sometimes I'm listening to a podcast that I really love. Sometimes it's, it's whatever allows me the spaciousness to tune in and ground myself. And like I said, get out of my head yeah. and back into my body. Yeah. And that looks different every day. I am so grateful that we started off this interview like this because it's just like, I just literally feel the collective consciousness of all the people listening to this exhaling, even though it's the future that they'll be listening to it. It's like, oh, yes. Finally, we're talking about real stuff. So who is Carrie Keating? What does she do? How did she get here? And I mean, I I was just going to like try to preface it for you, but I'm just going to like roll with it. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So I'll start. Um, I'll just pick a place to start. Okay. So, um, let's see three and a half years ago, I was working in corporate America. I worked for one of the largest athletic companies in the world, um, in Portland, Oregon, my husband and I, I had two babies under the age of two. I had been working since I was 13 years old. I basically grew up with not a ton of money. My father was a minister and we had four kids and my mom had four kids in five years. The doctor told her she would have none. And back then, you know, there wasn't like any sort of medical intervention. So, um, she, they just kept trying. They'll tell you all about it. They're still married 45 years later and they'll they'll talk about their sex life way too much. Um, (laughs) but, uh, they just kept trying and trying and trying. And finally my mom got pregnant at 25 and she had four of us in five years, two boys and two girls. So I grew up in a very like just full household. My father's Italian, my mom's Norwegian. So this like really like aggressive meets kind, (laughs) (laughs) but like so full of love. Yeah. And, um, at the age of 13, I went to a private school because my parents just wanted us to be in a, in a Christian um, education system. And, um, but we didn't have any money and most people at private schools, which I'm sure we'll end up talking about money stories because it's a really powerful Mm -hmm. conversation, but most people at private schools have money. And so here I was like the girl that couldn't do a lot because we didn't have a lot of money. And at 13 years old, I started working. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, my best friend's mom owned a boutique. I started working there and I just like loved it. I Mm felt so in love with it. And, um, Oh my gosh, there's so many things coming through right now that I feel like I should say like, so early before my father became a minister, he was actually in sales and was a, um, a, a top ranking sales executive in the company that he was in. And they offered him a job in Chicago and lots of money, VIP or VP, not VIP, um, VP position. But my parents have had escaped the New Jersey winters to come to California. And so they didn't want to go back to that life. And my dad at that time decided, you know what, like, I love sales and this is totally for me. I'm definitely a salesperson, but my heart is being called to the ministry. Mm -hmm. 
And so um, he became a minister when I was four years old. And so, like I said, we grew up in this like super loving household. I went to this private school, but we didn't have, we didn't like, we always had enough. Yeah. But I didn't, you know, I, I grew up around money. Like all my girlfriends lived in mansions, all my, like, and they always could buy the full clothes and all that stuff. And I just, I didn't want to burden my parents. Like I didn't want to keep going and asking them for stuff. So I started working really young and I loved it. Yeah. I fell so in love with like helping people. I worked in retail. You guys, if you have kids who are beginning in the workforce, get them in restaurant or retail because the problem solving skills that they learn, mm -hmm. it's been invaluable to me. Mm -hmm. And so I started working at 13. I worked all throughout high school. Um, if I wasn't playing a sport, I was working um, all throughout college. I stayed and lived with my, my parents, but I, I worked. I also started partying really hard. <laughs> um, and, um, but I, I graduated with a degree in business and leadership and um, from a local school here in San Diego. And I just like, I really just loved my work. I found a lot of um, value. I was really good at what I did. I made great money and held, you know, I was always in a managerial position from a very young age and just started working my way up in corporate America. And I landed what many would consider a dream job um, by the age of 28 mm -hmm. um, or 29 and was making, you know, well over six figures working from one of the largest athletic companies in the world or the largest. Mm -hmm. um, and started having babies mm -hmm. <laughs> and like all, oh. throughout, <laughs> all throughout my life, um, I would look at moms. So when I was a little girl, I didn't play. I was the biggest tomboy. I had two older brothers and I was the biggest tomboy. I did not, I never owned a single Barbie. I was never like playing house. I was never, I was, if I wasn't playing sports, I was playing boardroom. Like mm -hmm. I was like, I was just like managing the people. I saw myself like leading people just like my dad did. Like I saw in my dad and I was like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to stand at the pulpit and like lead, not church wise, but just like, I knew that that was, that vision was in me from a very, yeah. very young age that yeah. this is what I would be doing. And so at the time, the only paradigm I had was this like work, you know, like work. Uh, corporate America paradigm. So like I, um, I, I, I found myself in like a really amazing position. I, I liked my job. Um, and I liked the company. I'd been with the company for almost five years, um, six years. And I started having babies. And like I was saying, I, in the time, um, previous to having babies, anytime I would find a woman in a leadership position, I would ask her how she did it, who had kids. I would ask all the questions like, yeah, how do you do it? who picks up your kids, kids up from school? Yeah. And like, I found myself at the space of like, okay, I have now two kids under the age of two. I'm paying $30,000 a year in childcare. Yeah. My husband and I have both great positions, but I like, we have to, every day we go to school, you know, childcare, I had a four month old and a, a two year old. And um, I had a very short four month maternity leave. And in that time I was Googling stay at home mom jobs, work at home mom jobs. I'd always been in sales. And so I thought maybe I'd open a sales agency or do something that gave me my, my parents, my father got out of the ministry and ended up um, opening up a real estate company. And so I was like, maybe I'll get into real estate. And I, I just started thinking about like, what are these things that could help me still allow myself to work yes. because I've been working. This is just part of who I am mm -hmm. since I was 13 years old, but also allow me to be available for my kids. And so, um, I, I just like started opening up my mind and asking different questions yes. because I had been in a space of like, nope, this is the way for me. I, I knew at the company that I was in, you know, when you get, when you get into a company like that, they like map out your next 20 years essentially right. until retirement. Right. So like I knew what my life and my trajectory was going to look like unless I like somehow got the attention of a VP and like got put on a rocket ship. Mm -hmm. And uh, like randomly, but obviously not randomly, network marketing found me. My sister-in-law mm -hmm. had been sharing some products. And it was funny because I was a huge skeptic. My parents had done network marketing in the 80s. And I was just like, oh, no. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, it's just yeah, not yeah. for me. And um, But I was also like really desperate to start feeling good again. Like, yeah. like I, I was... I, I had about 10 pounds on me. Again, I worked at this athletic company. I, my office faced a gym. I had no time to take care of myself because here I was like slaving at my job. And if I wasn't at my job, I was either pumping in the pumping room mm -hmm. <laughs> or I was, um, 
you know, my kids were sick. Scott and I would have to look at each other every single day and be like, okay, whose day is more important? Should someone yeah, get sick? I remember that. Yep. <laughs> like, you know, and it was really hard because Scott worked at, at, at the same company too. And so, um, uh, we, like, I, <laughs> I just remember being like, there's gotta be something else. So I like tried blogging. That didn't work out. Mm -hmm. I tried it for five minutes. Um, and all of these other things. And then my, my sister-in-law came to visit me and she had used some health and wellness products. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I was really skeptic and she was like, uh, I, I, she walked in the door to my house and I was like, bitch, why'd you get skinny without me? <laughs> Cause we'd have babies at the same time. Yeah. And she's like, you're never going to believe it. I did this like cleanse that Ali's always talking about. I'm assuming like, I, so I'm aligned with isogenics. And so yeah. like, I, I, um, when, when she said that, I was just like, oh gosh, Allie's still talking about that on Facebook. I hid her two years ago because I couldn't deal with the amount of happy she was throwing out there. Yeah. Right. Isn't that interesting. Yeah. It was just like this mirror of like what my life was not. Yes. Right? And so yeah. I had to hide it. And what was, was within like, you, but yeah. you just weren't ready to pull it out yet. You weren't ready to look at it yet. Totally. So, um, I ended up like very, for the week that she was visiting very reluctantly, like asking her all these questions, trying the products, ended up like feeling like I was back in my body again. And people yeah. saw that. And I just yeah. started feeling really amazing. And naturally I just started sharing it. And I, I really, again, started asking different questions. Like what if this could be a vehicle for me? Like what if you know, I'm seeing all these women who are just like me, moms who are working, who are tired. And, you know, for any of you who are in network marketing space or in personal development, obviously if you're listening to Jillian's podcast, you probably fall in one of those, yeah. <laughs> one of those buckets. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, when somebody casts a vision, when you're in this space of like just sick and tired of feeling sick and tired and somebody shows you what your life could be like mm -hmm. if you take inspired action, if you start moving your ship in a, diff a little bit different direction that aligns more with how you want to feel, mm -hmm. how you want to show up in the world, how you want to inspire other people, how like all of these things that were lacking in my corporate job. Was I happy? Yes. Was I fulfilled? No. And I was also extremely time poor. Yeah. And so somebody casted a vision for me of what my life could look like just because they were not saying, Carrie, your life could look like you could be a millionaire. No, yeah. it's, they were just doing their, their due. Like I was seeing in them and what they were doing in the income and their paychecks and their life and like what they were doing on the daily. And I'm like, oh, that's what I want. And so I just jumped head first in network marketing. And with three months in I looked at my husband. I was like, I'm making more money doing this than I am at my job. Like after daycare and taxes and everything, like I'm going home. Can I just go home now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just like, yes, go for yeah. it. So I came home and I know this is a really long story, but no, no, no. It's so powerful I came, though. <laughs> okay. I came home and, um, I, um, at the time, so Cole, my youngest at the time, who's now my middle child was 10 months old. And my oldest was two and, um, they were 18 months apart. So we, um, I came home and within three months I was pregnant again. Mm -hmm. And so here I was like starting a, a new, like going from the corporate America paradigm that I had been now in for 16, 17, wait, yeah, 17 years since I was 13 years old. I'm like trying to do the math on that. Is that right? Um, <laughs> With no 17, caffeine at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. 17 years to now like being my own boss. Yeah. Like trying to find structure in my day and like trying to also now like feel the freedom of which like, okay, I'm making income, but I also want to be available for my kids. Mm -hmm. And so my first year and a half, I got pregnant again mm -hmm. and I had no childcare. So I had all three kids home with me Yeah, and I was just drowning in like the work. We, um, we came, I came home and, um, we didn't adjust our lifestyle at all. Yeah. And yeah. so we started racking up credit card debt and we were still traveling a bunch. And so like that started weighing on me even more. And I was still seeing success in my network marketing business, but I was also like managing my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I got to a space of like, okay, I need help to really get this off the ground and, and God bless my, my upline and my team and everything. But I didn't, I wasn't aligned with a team that, uh, that, that did things the way that I wanted to do them. Cause I had a big ego. Mm -hmm. Like I've done a lot of work on my ego and just, and like, in terms of like 
oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it this way. This doesn't align with me versus just trying the process and, yeah. and like trusting the system. Um, and so I had a lot of like inner work that I didn't even realize I needed to do. Um, and so I hired my first coach and she was more of an intuitive than she was a coach, like meaning like she, she had done a couple of readings for me and I don't share this with many people um, just because I am so religious. So like I have a little bit of fear of judgment of like, okay, this person is like, she's doing some readings for me talking about, you know, my kids and everything else. And I just felt, I just felt super connected to her. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like there's something here enough that if I make a monetary investment, I will get some sort of return on that mm -hmm. investment. Mm -hmm. And so, and the return was massive, you guys. Yeah. Um, at the time, I'm like, what are you even saying to me? I, I'm not following any of what your coach, quote unquote, coaching me on. Yeah. But the one thing that she did say to me was like, why are you not coaching? Like you need to be in a space. And I, I looked at her, I was like, girlfriend, like I don't have a certification. I don't have a website. Yeah. I don't have anything like that. But yes, that makes so much sense. People have been asking me for advice my entire life, but they don't pay me for it. And so literally she's like, I'm going to just challenge you. I'm going to step in and I'm going to challenge you right now. Put a post on social media and see what happens. So I did, it was a Sunday night and I put a post and I was just like, I'm inviting anybody who's ready for, to take their life, life to the next level and wants my guidance to, to, to reach out. Yeah. And within 48 hours, I had two paying clients, two so paying awesome. clients. So awesome. <laughs> And I was a horrible coach at first. Like mm -hmm. I sent so much love to those two women because I was like really <laughs> just their therapist. I was just listening and all that. Um, but that was two and a half years ago. And so in that time, I just got into really messy action. And there's definitely been times where I'm just like, this is not for me. I'm not doing this. And, um, and then, so I like focus on my network marketing business and I kind of like flip flop between the two. Um, and really in the last year I've been like, I've really stepped in after a lot of work, a lot of monetary investment, a lot of time investment on just like really, and just a lot of like even just forward movement, I'd say yeah. that was probably the most powerful, like forward movement mean, meaning like taking tiny, tiny, tiny baby steps forward until yeah. I felt the courage enough to take bigger steps. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm in the space of like, I coach women, a lot of moms who are looking for clarity in the chaos, mm -hmm. who are taking their life from um, you know, I don't want to say this because it's a Lululemon term. Cause I learned, at, worked there for a little while, but like taking their life from mediocrity to great mediocrity to greatness, like yeah. just really ready to like up level and put their, their, um, their money where their hustle is. Yes. Um, you know, and like, so I help them come up with action, strategic action plans. Like I, I think in maps and strategy and like given my background in corporate America and the finance space, like mm -hmm. I really, um, help them pull out what their inspired action plan should be, not what the other people, like whoever the coaches that they're following or whoever, like if they're in network marketing, I coach a lot of network marketers, but, um, who, whatever their definition of success is right now, I help them get, get step into that space and own that space and then take inspired action from there. So their vision gets moving forward. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my really long winded and I do it now. I have three kids under five. Yes. So current situation is I have three kids under five. My oldest is now in kindergarten. Um, there were times, like I said, where all three of them were home. So I, my first clients I took with my one, I was nursing one baby and then the other two would be napping. Um, I mean, I had so many client calls, like video calls and phone calls with like a baby on my boob and, um, or rolling around behind me or like yeah. diaper blowouts or, you know, like my potty training son coming and going like, mom, wipe my butt. Like, yeah. you know, like all of the things, but I also knew, uh, like, I also knew that the clients I would be calling in wouldn't care. That's exactly what I was just going to ask you next. Like, how did they, how did they react? Because I know that I have, I have definitely called in the women who know who I am and know that being a mama is my top priority because, and all of this work is for them, both the inner and the, the external work, the, the work that I feel called to do in the world. So that's great. It's so, I love that you said what, what the very thought that I had was that, that they were good with it. They were good with it because they knew. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, and even still, like there's definitely times where it's like a kid is sick or something. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, because it's so high. I only work two days a week. Like mm-hmm. I've made it my mission to only work two days a week. Cause yeah. I, now my oldest is in kindergarten and my other two, I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old and they're in um, like a preschool daycare situation on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And yeah. so um, I only take clients during that time, but sometimes my kids are home and I'm going to honor my client time. Yeah. And so I do what it takes. Like I, I give them my phone and I let them watch YouTube or, um, I mean, Disney has babysat my kids more often than not. And, um, it was, it's funny because there was, there was a time where I was just like, again, just trying to figure it out. Like trying, like always searching for like, how do people do this? And I reached out to one of the girls who I'm not financially linked to in my company. And, um, but she's a, mom and she built a seven figure business, uh, with young kids at home. And I just reached out to her and I was like, Hey, can I get a half hour of your time? I just need to know how you did this. Yeah. And she was so gracious. Again, we're not financially linked at all. She has no financial gain from spending time with me. And so she, um, she gets on the phone with me and she tells me, she's like, Carrie, like I did, I built this business when my kids were like two, like you're the same age as yours, two, four and five. And she's like, there were so many times when I just plopped them in front of the TV, but here's the thing, what I did, I would never change it. What I did then I would do it all again, because now as my kids are teenagers and they really need me, like when they're this age, they need you, but they don't, they don't need you like they do when they're teenagers and then you need emotional, physical. So like all the, that kind of support, yeah. she's like, I would do it again times a million because now I'm in a financial space where I've built up so much residual income and I've built a business for myself that is automated and scaled and like all of these things that I am so available for my teenagers now. Yeah. They have all of the resources they need inclusive. And most importantly, they have me as a resource yeah. and my head isn't elsewhere for yeah. the entire year. And when you're building, <laughs> your head is elsewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. when you are in a build or a launch or anything else, like your head is elsewhere often. Yeah. And so she's like, I'm so grateful. I did it when they were young because yes, they needed me, but they needed the physical me. Yeah. They didn't need, they did need the energetic me. And I like was there and present when I needed to be, but like the physical me, I was able to like really use that energy towards moving this vision forward. And I heard that story yeah. and it was like, Oh my gosh, other mamas need to hear that. And that's what, that's what eventually planted the seed for my podcast, yeah. um, work hard, mom hard, because I was just like, we need to start having these conversations. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think I say that because I just want other mamas out there who are just like moving forward in the tiniest little bit and like, like holding on by a thread, like mm-hmm. any, any one little thing that you can do to move your vision forward is better than stopping. What would you say, like, what is your best advice for the moments in between though? Like the moments where it's like, okay, I did the work and I put the kids in front of the TV and I did X, Y, and Z. Like, how do you get back in there and reconnect with them? Because I know for me, like I lived in that space of like, okay, this is fine until I started to feel like things weren't fine anymore. Like I needed to reintegrate that connection. So that like, yeah, like YouTube happens, but for me, I needed to like then throw my phone to like the other side of the house mm-hmm. so that I could look them in the eye. Like I just remember that being a really, really huge thing and something that I still have to really deeply remind myself of because when I, I love my work so much, but when I get in it all the way, it's really hard for me to stop. And I really want to know what's going on with my people. And I forget that the people that truly matter are the little ones right in front of me. So what do you do during those moments to re-tap back into them. I mean, you have three days a week that you're with them. So yeah, that's one answer, but like energetically, right? Cause right mm-hmm. now they do, they need us really physically, but we are super energetic. Well, we're all energetic beings, friends, like yeah. everything is energy, but <laughs> I know that you and I have done the work and I want to go into that next, but we've done the work to like understand where our energy feels most aligned and most fulfilled. What do you do to realign your energy back with them? after you have been working hard? Like how do you mom hard with them? Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's number one, like realigning my energy back to myself. Yeah. Like, and then once I do that, everything else comes from that. Because when I, like, I remember when we were like in really bad financial situation and like, just like living it, what felt like living paycheck to paycheck, even though on paper, like, or on Instagram, everything was perfect. Yeah. Um, 
my mind was obsessed with like just getting another client so I could like I was in very much a scarcity mindset just so I could have a little bit more spaciousness. And so I couldn't, I wasn't allowing myself the space to uh, reconnect with them. Even if I was in their physical presence, my mind was elsewhere. Yeah. My mind was on like, oh my gosh, how do I do this? How do I make this okay? Like, you know, what do I need to sell in order to buy milk? Like, mm -hmm. you know, like all of those kinds of things, um, which is really, it's a really challenging. And if anyone's in that space right now, like I just, or anything where it's like, you're just feeling consumed by this. My biggest challenge for myself was to just find myself in a grounded space. Mm -hmm. Like I had a tree outside my house. I would just go hug. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that you just like, said that. Yeah. For me, it was like, it was very much a physical thing and we have a lot of physical energy in my house because I have three boys. And so anytime, again, it's like all about getting out of your head and back into your body. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm super mindy. Like I'm super in my head. I'm mm -hmm. like solving the world's problems. I was saying to my mother-in-law, um, just a couple weeks ago when she was visiting, I'm like, I'm like literally changing a poopy diaper and solving the world's problems at the yeah. same time. Like, yeah. same. <laughs> and same. so whatever I can do to bring myself back into my own body, a lot of times for us, it's dancing. Like mm -hmm. I'll come out of my office and I just like turn on a, a song. I'm like, Alexa, play this. And, um, we just start dancing. And so it kind of like brings us back. Like we circulate enough energy to like bring us all back to each other. Yeah. Um, but like I had to start, start setting boundaries too. And like setting boundaries for myself in terms of like, how much can I work? How much, like I used to work as soon as my husband got home. Like before I had childcare, it was like my husband got home, I would go work. Yeah. Um, and so he would do the bedtime shuffle and all of that stuff. And so yeah. I had to start setting boundaries about that. Cause it would put a strain on our relationship too. And so now I have boundaries on TV time, like no screen time after five. And like, because I felt like, like the pendulum had swung too far one yep. way and I could yeah. feel it like, okay, wait, I'm relying too much on this. I need to get back into like having joy and like finding the joy again. I think that's like really what it goes back to. So, you know, the kids evolve, right? So they're older now. And like my, my five-year-old is just like, you know, I'll ask him like, what do you guys want to do yesterday? We went to Legoland. Like yeah. I don't schedule anything. Like we just went to Legoland and we had fun. And, um, I try to just make sure that I sprinkle that. In. I make them chocolate chip pancakes every single morning. And my mm -hmm. four-year-old helps. Like there's certain things that we do, like just as part of our family unit that allows us to not like, when I'm making chocolate chip pancakes and I have a four-year-old next to the stove, like I can't be thinking about my business. I have yeah. to be thinking about my four-year-old not touching the fire, you right. know? Right. So it's like, there's these little things that even saying that, like, I don't even realize like, okay, I'm putting in these, like these, um, safeguards yeah. that I am like protecting my energy when I'm with them. Yeah. Do I get distracted? Yes. But nine times out of 10, it's by social media and I'm going to social media to look for validation. Yes. So the more I can stop doing that, like I recognize in the day, like, you know, it, it, like I'll, I'll have my four-year-old mom get off your phone. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, wow. Okay. If he's saying that, like yeah. I need to get off my phone. And yeah. so is it perfect? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I do try to schedule time where it's like, okay, there's no phone. There's no distraction. I'm not booking calls. You know, I utilize like on the days that my kids are home, I belong to a gym and they have two hours of daycare. So I'll, I'll go work out for an hour and then I'll have an hour where it's like, I do, I schedule any posts. I do any, I reach back out to any of my people. Mm -hmm. um, if I need a like 15 minute connect, I'll do that there at the gym. But then I, I don't work the rest of the day. Yeah. So it's like, I really try to, now that I can, now that I have the means to leverage my time. Yeah you know, um, that's what I do when I didn't have the means to, and I didn't have kids at childcare, I would just do it in the morning. Like I would get up early or I would stay up late or I would figure out, okay, well, what does work mm -hmm. when, when again, I, I leveraged the gym. That was like a big thing for me in Portland. When we had, we just moved from Portland, Oregon to San Diego and, um, just in August. And, uh, we, when I was there, we had no support system. Now I can call my sister, but we had no support system. So it was, um, I had to figure it out. Like I really had to figure it out because it was so important to me to not quit. Like that was the yes. biggest thing. I'm just like, I just don't want to quit. Like it's okay. I got to the point where it was okay that I wasn't doing it fast. Yeah. I just, it just wouldn't be okay with me if I quit. So yes. I just had to figure out what are the 15 minutes I can do a day to move this vision forward. And then I also saw the value in like, well, how could, if, if I only have so much time and I only have so much of this, like, 
what could I do to shorten that learning curve? Mm. And that's when I started looking at, okay, well, what are the programs? Where should I be focusing my skill sets? Mm -hmm. Like if I only have two hours a day and I need to be doing X, Y, and Z, like figuring out how to attract more clients or, you know, figuring out my marketing or whatever, like, what are the things that I can do? And this is a lot of the stuff that I walk my clients through is like, well, how do we leverage what you know? Mm -hmm. And then where do we need to focus our skill sets in the two hours a day or two hours a week that you have the time? Yeah. And where can we invest monetarily, energetically, physically, where can we invest to help you shorten the learning curve to get there faster? And for me, that's coaching. Like yeah. I invest in coach. I've, I've had a coach for now three plus years. And it's the only reason why, not because they do the work, they just create the container for me to step in and have a safe space to crack myself open yeah. and look at all sides of myself yeah. and be like, okay, why am I, why am I procrastinating on this? Why am I not getting where I need to go? Where should I be focusing my energy? And then what have you done and how can I leverage your learnings to help move my business forward faster, even though I'm going to be doing it in my own way? Yeah. How could you possibly afford coaching though? You shared with I us couldn't. that, that it, it sucked. Money was tight. They, things are really, really hard. And when you've got little ones and you're stressed out and you're exhausted and your relationship with your husband isn't what it was because you don't, you guys don't communicate because there are tiny humans everywhere and I'm trying to build a business and all this thing. And the money's not rolling in the way that you thought it would. How the hell did you ever invest in a coach? I got really, really, really creative. Yeah. Um, Could you afford it right off the bat? No. I sold my clothes. Mm -hmm. I sold jewelry. I sold things that were like very much of value to me. Um, Like my mom gave me some really old jewelry. And like, if she ever hears this, she's going to cry. Sorry, mom. (laughs) Um, Sorry, mom. But it's like, it was worth it. Um, But like, I, I mean, I was, I was doing what ever it took. Like my first coach was six grand. Yeah. And that's like, that is a lot of money. Yeah. That is a lot of money. And I, um, it was really hard for me because most of our time was spent like in me going like, how am I going to make this money back? How am I going to make this money back? Yeah, I, see yeah, yeah. I could see what I can do, but I like, couldn't see past like, how am I going to make this money back? Yeah. Um, and, um, I didn't understand that it was just like more of an exchange of energy. Like that yes. was like, you know, and I had to do, I spent two years working on my money story. I spent two years working on this and like, am I the best at money still? No, I've still got a lot of work to do, but I, um, I understand it a lot better now. And, um, you know, I think there's something to be said, like the moment that I invested in Amber, like I threw up, I like literally threw up Mm -hmm. and, um, but like my husband and I, like she is a massive investment. And, um, cause I joined like in her inner circle and like it, I was prepared for one amount because I knew by this time I knew it was like, I knew the value. Like mm-hmm. I had had a coach. I was in a mastermind the previous year. And then I had my first coach and like, I saw the value because my, I hired a coach that taught, could teach me, that taught me how to coach mm-hmm. Steph Gold. She's amazing. She taught me her system of coaching, how to get clients, how to figure out who your client is, like what your zone of genius is, like all of the, that structure that I needed to have the confidence to go out and make offers to people. Yeah. So I hired her. And, um, like it, it, the investment was like so much more than, or, um, the, um, the return was so much more than the investment. So I, once I saw that, um, it's that, and it was that initial, and I've been in this space too, where I'm like trying to like help people see the value of like what they're getting, you know, potential new clients. Um, cause it's scary as hell, Yeah. but the investment itself now makes me makes me do the work. Yeah. Well, exactly. Tell us about what you mean by having to work on your money story for two years. Okay. So, um, I grew up in a home where, uh, like I said previously, like we always had, like we lived in nice houses in a nice neighborhood, but we didn't have all the extra stuff. And I grew up in a home where, because I was surrounded by a lot of people with a lot of money, I was also like an influencer from a very young age. And I don't want that to sound conceited, but I just like, I kind of knew my place. Yeah. Yeah, Like I knew, I knew who I was. I knew what I was doing. And a lot of the the girls in elementary school and and junior high school, like wanted to do what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so my mom tells me these stories all the time that like, none of the girls would go to cotillion and unless I was going. And so like a couple of the moms paid for me to go to cotillion in Rancho Santa Fe, California. What's cotillion? Like cotillion is like, 
the manners, like you learn manners and learn how to dance. And oh like, my gosh, how fun is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I like, I mean, which I like would never, I would never do, but like, this was like, tell you, in like, in Rachel Santa Fe, California, which is like the equivalent for those of you who don't know to like Beverly Hills or yeah. like Park City, Utah, like yeah. tons of money, like just these people are just like breathing money. And so I like from a very young age was like sponsored by a lot of people <laughs> to do things. Um, but you know, when I wanted to do competitive cheer, like, or when I wanted to do, there was other things that I want to do or go on trips with the school, you know, like the conversation was always like, I'm sorry, we don't have enough money. Yeah. And so in my Can head, I just pause you right there because holy hell, the depth of tribe, the depth of tribe and specifically tribe between mothers and daughters and the tribe of women, like sponsored to go to these things so that it would better their daughters. Like that is magic right there. Yeah. So I just want to pause and like honor the previous version of you and the previous version of all of those women who wanted to raise you up. Cause that's the work that we're doing here is raising yeah. other women. So that's awesome that that gets to be a part of your story. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I didn't really understand it at the time. It just like kind of fed more into the, like, we don't have the money story. Right. We right. Don't it have contributed the to the, the lack, like they have to do this because I can't, but it's cool when you get older and you can kind of rewire that and be like, Oh, that was them showing me the future, which is now what you do. You raise women up. You help women with this. Like you get to be the sponsor, <laughs> like literally and figuratively in some yeah. cases for some people. <laughs> So that's so cool. Okay. So back to like the, the teenage yeah. story where things are getting tough. Yeah. Yeah. So just like my, you know, my parents, you know, when we, when we talk about stories and it's funny that we're, it's not funny that we're talking about it, but I, I, I wanted to do like a, a 101, a story 101 on my podcast. Just like, what do we say when we talk about stories? It's like, initially, like the first story that I could identify was like, what was said over and over and over in my mm -hmm. house about money? Like, and that's like somewhere, somehow, because it was like actually said, the words were said, that's yeah. part of woven into like what my money story is. Yeah. And so the money story that I had initially was that there's never enough. Mm -hmm. And so like, even when my husband and I would come into, like, I have no problem manifesting large sums, sums of money, yeah. like massive sums of money. Yeah. But there was this also this, like, there's never enough. And so that, that went to like the money would go X, Y, and Z. It would like be gone in an instance because yeah. there was never enough. Yeah. Right. And so like, even though I would, I, and I wouldn't appreciate it for what it was and I wouldn't be a wise steward of it because I was just like, okay, it needs to go here, here, and here so we can upkeep our life and all yeah. of these other things. Yeah. And so that was kind of like my, my money story 1.0 is that there's never enough. Yeah. And then what happened like recently, I mean, even I was just sharing this on the Vox um, with our mastermind, not, not just like a week ago is that I recognize that, you know, my father went from having this, this offer to be a VP of a company and making really amazing money mm -hmm. to choosing a path that his soul felt called to and becoming a minister. Mm -hmm. And so and, and then being in struggle mm -hmm. financially. Right. right. And like, well, I, I don't know what my parents struggle. Like they don't always talk about it, but I do know that it's carried forth Yeah, that they're like, you know, that they're, they're constantly in a state of like a lot of money, a little bit of money, mm -hmm. a lot of money, a little bit of money. And it's like this kind of like ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. And so the, the kind of the background subconscious, like money story 2.0 is that if I follow the path of my soul mm -hmm. that equates to struggle. Yes. Yes. And so I had to recognize that and also recognize that it doesn't have to be that way. And yeah. that's not necessarily what it is. That's just my interpretation of it. Yeah. And that I have the power to change the story and right. rewrite it. And I mean, it goes with anything. I mean, we could talk about, I, I could say the same thing that goes for like my, my body image and all of these other things, like watching my mom do, uh, you know, slim fast over and over and over. It's like, mm -hmm. I had the power to rewrite the story that, that like fitness and, um, you know, body and weight and all of this stuff doesn't have to be a struggle, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and it's not their fault. They learned it from my, my father's mom was in the great depression. 
Yeah. Like she, you know, she, he learned all of his stuff from her. Like we get these stories passed down to us, whether it's energetically, whether it's physically, whether it's just told to us, like it cannot be this way or it is this way. And we have to consciously make a choice every single day to change it. And so these, this rewriting of a money story, this rewriting of any story is like a visceral feeling that happens in your body. Anytime I was just like, going to say, what comes it, to me. Yeah. What does that mean? Like, what do you do? Do you, do you physically shift something? Do you consciously think new thoughts? What do you do to help rewiring these money stories, these body stories, these, any it's friends. Like, I just want to point out this literally goes to everything. We have stories about every single thing that we have thought enough times that they've become beliefs and then those beliefs become our truth. So Carrie, what do you do when you recognize that a truth that you've been living out really isn't like, how do you release it? Oh, that's such a good question. And I wish I had like a perfectly tied up answer for you because I'm still in the process. Yeah. Like this is all like super new. And I think at any level, right? Like the, the, the higher you go, the more income you make, the more clarity you get, like the harder it becomes. Mm -hmm. Um, but just like any story, it's just recognizing it, that it's a story Mm -hmm. and that it doesn't own me, that it's just like, no, there is enough. And it doesn't have to be a struggle. And so like when, when I'm sitting here going like, okay, why are, why am I not getting any more clients? Like why, why are, why are clients not coming to me? Or why is my money not grow my wealth, not growing? I sit there and ask myself, is this struggle or is my action just not like aligning with where, what I need to be doing, you know? And I have to like, again, get out of my head and back into my body and, and just start asking the questions. Like Mm. this isn't, this isn't my story anymore. And so there's lots of things that people do. They'll write their money. So they'll write their stories and then they burn them and all of that stuff. But it is a conscious, like every time it shows up, it's recognizing that the story is here and that it's ingrained in my DNA and it's always going to be there. And I have to consciously choose otherwise. I have to consciously choose that like, okay, right now I'm in a space of struggle, but that doesn't mean my life is a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And that I don't, I don't have to go down the spiral of anxiety just because I'm not bringing in clients right now. Just means like, what do I need to do differently? Like, what am I doubling down on in my business right now to get me more clients? That's not working. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So often instead of like, sorry, so so often what we do instead of like taking new inspired action and tuning into like what our people need at the time, because they're evolving, we're just doubling down on what's not working. Right. And so, cause we come from that like scarcity mindset of like, at least for me, maybe not everyone else, but like for me, I'm just like, okay, I gotta get more clients. I gotta, I gotta keep this going because that's always going to play in the background, Mm -hmm. but there's never enough, even though my bank account has plenty of zeros in it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, but it's always going to be playing in the background. So I have to overcome that by saying like, okay, let's get back into my body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's get back into the space of like, what, what is necessary of me now to continue to move my abundance forward? How do you get back into your body? Like, what are some quick things that um, our ladies can do, especially those who do have to kind of pivot between the babies and the businesses and then all the stories that go into all of the above, like how, how can we come back home? How can we get out of our head and into our heart space? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I recognize like when I'm starting to go down the spiral, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a very, like, it's a feeling. <laughs> and I want to say visceral again, because it is like very, vis- like I feel it into my entire body. Like I'll go from like having an awesome day to all of a sudden, like something happens and I get triggered. And like, so I have to consciously, like I imagine myself stepping out of the spiral. I do something physical. Mm-hmm. So like I'll clap, mm-hmm. um, or I will like put on a song. That's usually my jam is that I put on a song and I just start dancing and I, I move energy around yeah. because it's starting to become stagnant. And I just have to, I have to, I have to, I have to consciously choose to stay away from my triggers. Yeah. So things that will trigger me going down the spiral. And it's just, it's again, it's just bringing awareness and mindfulness to it because some of us don't even realize this happens, but I have noticed, like I noticed like, okay, I'm, I'm going down an anxiety spiral or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I'm like going down, I'm going back into this story and I'm going to just go sit and wallow in it unless I do something. Yeah. And I don't want to be a pile of mush and cry the rest of the day. Sometimes it's very cathartic, but, um, I don't want to be. So what are the things that I need to do now? Okay. I, I know that if I get on social media and start going down a scroll hole, like that will make me feel more like shit. 
Yeah. So like, what do I need to do? Okay. I'm not, I'm going to stay off my phone. Okay. So what, like, should we go to the park? Should we start baking something? Should I like, you know, should we start doing coloring? Should I like start telling jokes to my kids? Like, what do I get more into the space of that high vibrational joy mm-hmm. versus the low vibrational guilt comparison, you know, all of these things. Yeah. And so I just start recognizing what are the things within my means right now that I can do to bring me more joy. Is that messaging a girlfriend and just saying like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of that amazing project. Like, it looks like you, you crushed it on yeah. Facebook, yeah. you know, um, uh, it's, it's spreading joy to other people. It's also like just bringing some more joy into myself by like, da- like I said, dancing or doing something that will just get me physically moving my body. Yeah. I love it so much. I think um, a couple other good things to do. I'm just like trying to rack my brain for like the different personality types and the different things. Like I love a dance party. I love, um, I love ritual. So like applying oils and like really breathing them in like, and really feeling the energy behind them and like how they're kind of helping me rewire the cells in there. Um, deep breathing is another really, really, really good one. We, when we get in the crazy friends, we forget to breathe. So like even just going there, but I think it's, it's, creating action and the action can be very active action or the action can be a simple change of pace into stillness. It's just doing something different. I think that's just so powerful for that. It's, and it's so exciting too to like play with different things that can help you consciously recognize, all right, it's feeling a little crazy over here. What can I try that might make me feel better? And just being curious because that curiosity could lead you down a path that of like super healing or a path that you want to serve other people with. You never know until you try it. It's just so exciting to me. Yeah. And I, I love that you say that. Cause it's just, it's not a one size fits all. Like what, what's going to work for me is not going to work for it. And that, that's with anything like, yeah. that's with business. That's with anything. It's like, you really have to ask yourself, like what my, do my kids are at my door. Um, I know. I know. We'll wrap up here. <laughs> they're, they're just like, waking, Oh no, it's fine. Um, they're just all waking up. Um, you really have to ask yourself, like, what do I need right now? Yeah. Like, is it like, do I just need to go take a shower and like, yeah. like wash this away? Yeah. Like, and like not judging, um, what the thought is like, if you sit there and ask yourself, like so many people think that the, the conversation, like this, this, um, source energy or God or whatever, it's going to sound different in our head. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to sound like a different voice mm-hmm. and it doesn't, it's us. Mm-hmm. So when we tune in and ask, like, okay, what do I need right now? It's going to be like our voice responding, (laughs) right? But so often what we do is like, we judge the first thought that comes, even though that's the answer. Right. And that's so so powerful that you said that because a lot of the women that I have the honor of serving, it's like, they ask themselves like, what is it that I need? Or what is it that I want? But then like the, when they answer themselves, honestly, they feel like, oh, but I can't have that. I don't deserve yeah. that. I haven't nailed the landing enough to have that cup of coffee, right? Like it's just allowing yourself the, A, the ability to ask yourself for what you need or what you want mm-hmm. to change the state that you're in and then trusting that you do know that and, and you can have it. I Allowing yourself to release the presupposed, no, I can't have that. I can't have that. And just bring it in. It's the difference yeah. between like, what do I want? Do I want a cup of coffee? Do I want a lemon water? And like trusting yourself. Sometimes yeah. you're going to want the coffee. Sometimes you're going to want the lemon water. And it's so powerful because we are ever evolving human beings and we get to do that. And we get to do well, that and tiny humans. <laughs> I love, yeah, right. I love that you said that because if there's one skill set that I would like love to teach the world. Maybe this is my new calling. Is that like how to make a freaking decision? Yeah. And just like make the decision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like go with it and know that it's okay. If you change your mind, you yeah. have, this is like, ladies, I am writing you a permission slip right now to change your mind. Yes. Like you just make a decision. The clarity always comes when you start moving. Yeah. But until you make a decision and you, until you like when, if you're sitting in this space and and I know this is kind of, this conversation is expanding to a little bit more than how to like shift your energy. But, um, if you're sitting in a space of getting ready to get ready, nothing changes. And the reason why you're sitting in that space is because you want something to change. Yeah. So like you have to take forward movement. You have to make a decision. (laughs) We have, yeah. It's like, 
you have even the smallest things. Like if yeah. you can't make a decision on the smallest thing, like, am I going to have coffee or lemon water? Like just choose one. And if you don't like the coffee, dump it out, make lemon water. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and like, it's, it's okay. I love, and my podcast listeners have heard me say this in the past, but it's like, be a hundred percent committed because when you're a hundred percent committed, you know what you're doing. If you're 99% committed, you've got that 1% wiggle room. That's going to do the whole game with you. Like, do I want it? Do I really want it? Is now going to be the time that I don't do it? It's like, all right, be a hundred, make a, make a decision, be a hundred, hundred percent committed to the decision. Understanding that if you quote unquote made a mistake, it's okay. You can yeah. change it. You can choose. Yeah. It. And you learn from it. That's yeah. the thing. It's like so many of us, you know, people like to say they're afraid of failure and it's not even true. Like nobody's afraid to really fail because like we fail ourselves all the time. But, um, it's, I think it's more like afraid of, and I'm just calling that out to like the people who are my people, because I think more often we're afraid of success, but, um, it's really this idea of like, just do it. <laughs> my four year olds at the door, like crying. So I apologize. Um, but just do it. Just go for it. Like what's the worst that can happen? And moreover, like what's the best that can happen? Yeah. Like, you will learn so much about yourself. Like, Oh, this, this is how you tap into your intuition, by the way. Yeah. Like the yeah. more you can follow what it says and then like, see, okay, was that right? Yeah. Okay. No, that wasn't right. I should have yeah. listened to this voice. I should have listened to this part. Then the next decision you come up against, you're like, okay, I'm going to listen to that, that, you know, like you just, that's how you learn. Yeah. Okay. Which way is the, which way is my intuition trying to tell me? And ladies, like, this is the crux of everything. Like we need to be able to learn how to tap back into ourselves. When you do that, your life, your business, everything changes. And so if this is just like a small step in that direction into learning how to l trust yourself again, then just take the small steps. Like, cause for some of us, it just sounds so daunting. Like, oh my gosh, I have to tap into myself. What does that mean? Like, do I have to do tapping exercises to like get in? Mm -hmm. And like, no, you just have to like learn how to like, you know, I always say the, we want, like, there's so many of, so many things that we want answers to, but the answers cannot come unless we tune out the noise, unless we get rid of all of this debris, yeah. all of these thoughts, all of these things. Yeah. And the best way to do that is to tap into our intuition via meditation, using oils, you know, whatever your practice is, journaling, listening to a certain song, whatever allows you the space to like literally imagine your head opening to God, <laughs> and, yes. like get that line of energy that's tap open. Yeah. Um, so you can receive the information and the downloads and everything that's meant for you. Right. Because we don't have to figure it all out. We just have to be open to receiving the guidance and then taking the inspirational action. Like it's just, it's, it seems so simple when it's boiled down to that. And we put so much noise around it, but it really can be, um, Carrie, I freaking love you. And I want I you to go you hug too. your kids. Um, so <laughs> can you please, please tell my listeners where they can find you, where they can follow you, where they can connect with you all the things yes of course so instagram is my jam mm -hmm. um i have been on that platform for almost 10 years like since its inception <laughs> um that is my jam um you can find me at kiri keating it's k-a-r-i-k-e-a-t-i-n-g um i also have a podcast called work hard mom hard that i uh, launched just a couple weeks ago um which is like totally my jam. Like I love using my voice in that way. It's just yeah. super deep. It's yeah. super fun. And, um, I just love it. Um, you can find you know, my website is carrie-keating.com. And then also I'm on Facebook. It's not my favorite platform, but I do have a really, a couple of really amazing free groups for mamas who yeah. are just looking to have that clarity in the chaos. So, um, yeah, those would be the best, the best places to find me. Oh my gosh. Amazing. And those will be all <laughs> in the show notes. So I, I just cannot wait for people to start connecting with you all over the place. And then Carrie, final question for you today. What are you grateful for? Oh my gosh. Wow the air in my lungs. Mm, yes. I'm just so grateful. My father was diagnosed with cancer earlier this year and like, which prompted us to move to California and just like, you know, this is 2018. I kind of, I saw a meme the other day that was like 2018 WTF. Like what the <laughs> fuck was that? <laughs> and I was, I was like, yeah, this year has been crazy, but I'm just like, so, so, so grateful especially like going into this holiday season, like yeah. just preparing my heart for it, like in terms of like the people that we've lost and just the changes that have happened and the transition, yeah. like honoring all that. I'm just like super grateful that I am able to live 
this life and choose yeah. each day and still have air in my lungs to breathe. So, oh, and I just took a big, 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 deep one in honor of you <laughs> and your father. Thank you. Oh, sister. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here with me today. And friends who are listening, I hope you have a really, really good morning. Thank you for listening to this episode of Morning Sunshine with Jillian Bolands. I'm so grateful to you, to your energy, and to the dreams that you have. Friends, if you are ready to start really learning how to manage your time in a way that feels so good to you, not that forceful expectation, but more of that flow, more of that transformational opportunity, then head to jillianbolands.com forward slash free gift. And I will send you my transformational time management tool. It is a brilliant workbook that I've put together. Don't worry. There are lists in there. There are check boxes in there, but I'm also going to teach you that you are worthy of the time that you create for yourself. Head to jillianbolands.com forward slash free gift. And again, thank you for listening to this episode and for sharing it with a friend, liking it and giving it a comment in iTunes. It means the world to me. And I wish you a transformational good morning.